So the topic I prepared for tonight is Holy Communion. And it's one of those titles, one of those topics that we might think, actually, well, that's fairly boring. Um, I know about that already. I do that all the time. And yet, um, the point I want to make is the reason it doesn't do much for us is because we're not really engaging with it properly. And that there's, it's not complicated to engage with properly. But if we do, it can be so much more than it can be and often is otherwise. So I want to talk about why it's important, Holy Communion, the reality of what Holy Communion is, the real presence, our need to foster within ourselves a yearning for Jesus and Holy Communion, uh, the particular practice of making spiritual communions, how all of that prepares us for Holy Communion, um, and in particular, then, close thinking about visits to the Blessed Sacrament. So first, why is Holy Communion important? Why does it matter? Well, we all know that phrase, um, you are what you eat. Yes, the, the dietitians tell us this, that you see a little fat child and he's eating a donut. Uh, he's eating something fatty. Um, you see somebody eating carrots and salad and they are sleek and elegant and their skin's a beautiful complexion. Um, you are what you eat. And this is even more profoundly true about Holy Communion. So St. Augustine um, has probably the most famous quote about this. And he notes how in normal food, when we eat it, it becomes part of us. I eat an apple and I swallow it and it's digested and it becomes a part of me. But Holy Communion is the reverse. I eat it and I become a part of him. I eat the Lord Jesus and I become a part of him. That it's a food that somehow works in the opposite direction. So St. Augustine in his Confessions has the Lord speaking, saying, you will not convert me into yourself as you transform food into your own flesh. You will be changed into me. That when we eat Holy Communion, we are transformed or given the power to be transformed into something utterly unthinkable really to become God that by his presence he makes possible what otherwise would seem unthinkable what we cannot do our Lord is able to do Jesus Christ perfect God and perfect man leaves us not a symbol but a reality he himself stays with us. So why is it important? Because it changes us into himself. Now obviously that hinges on what we call the doctrine of the real presence. That in Holy Communion, he really is present. And this is what we call a mystery. Um, so you know, I'm sure you've all heard before, a mystery 
you know, in our popular English usage, a mystery is like a, a detective drama or something. But the ancient Greek, what the word comes from in our church use, a mystery is a truth made known, a thing that was a secret that has now been revealed. So in the same way that in a good detective drama, it's usually at the very last scene that it's all revealed, it all kind of comes together. Well, a mystery is a truth, a secret made known. Well, Holy Communion is something we only know because like a secret, it's been told to us. Who could dare to speculate that God himself would come down from heaven and change a piece of bread into himself so that we could eat him. We only know this because he has said so. So he said so pivotally at the first mass, the last supper, he said, this is my body. And we know he meant what he said from the context we know also he meant what he said um, because of the longer context elsewhere and is in the gospel. So John chapter 6, he says, said to the crowd, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. And when the crowds heard him say this, they didn't like it. It sounded horrible. For the Jews in particular, cannibalism was a, a terrible um, religious sacrilege. And they said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And the gospel goes on to say, after this time, many of his disciples left him and no longer went with him. And even though the crowds were dispersing, he didn't run after them and say, no, I didn't quite mean what that seemed to say. It's a symbol, it's a sign. No, he let them go because they had understood exactly what he'd meant, that we have to eat his flesh. And his flesh comes to us in what he gave us in the Mass, in Holy Communion. And so this is what is formally defined in church teaching, one of the, the dogmas that's um, summed up in the most formal articulations the church has, what's called de fide teachings. To quote two of the pivotal passages um, from the Council of Trent in response to the Protestant Reformation. He said, the body and blood together with his whole divinity of our Lord Jesus Christ and therefore the whole Christ is truly, really, and substantially contained in the sacrament of the Holy Eucharist. And elsewhere says that he is present in a true, real, and substantial manner, his body, his blood, with his soul, and with his divinity. That it's not a bit of him there and a bit of him there. It's not that we receive some of his body, but not his soul, or his soul, but not his body. No, it's him we are receiving, and therefore it's his body, his blood, his soul, his divinity. I receive God himself, who uses something physical 
that he changes into himself so that he can come to me, I who am physical and spiritual. Now there's a point that I've never preached about here in this parish, or at least not yet. Um, but it's very important about how he's present and that when he comes to us in Holy Communion, he doesn't just come in a sense as himself, but he comes adapted for what we need. So if I come to him tired, then he knows I'm tired and he comes with particular graces of, of strength to lift me up. If I come to him sad, he comes with the ability to, to lift me up and give me joy that he knows what I need and he comes to quote the passage from the Old Testament adapted to every need. So the saints of the church often look back to the manna in the desert in the Old Testament, the, that bread from heaven that came and fed the Jewish people 40 years as they were wandering in the wilderness. And the Book of Wisdom describes how even in that he didn't just come as this miraculous bread but adapted to every taste. So to quote the Book of Wisdom, without their toil, you supplied them with bread from heaven to, ready to eat, providing every, providing every pleasure and suited to every taste, ministering to the desire of the one who took it. It was changed to whatever each one desired. And so when we have benediction in church, um, there's a phrase sung. You have given them bread from heaven, having all sweetness within it. Every, in a sense, desire to taste, adapted for every need, every desire. That's how he comes to me. That I come to him thinking I have this set of needs. Well, he knows what I need even more than I do. And he comes adapted for me, for that. If I come one week in one state, one week in another state, he comes what I need. All right, so if this is true, if it's important that we receive Holy Communion, if it really is him, then what I need to have within myself is a yearning for him, a desire for him. And if I'm not yearning for him, then something's wrong. If I'm not yearning for him, then either I don't really believe him, that this is him, or, so there's something wrong in my thinking, or there's something wrong in my heart, that I'm just so completely lukewarm in my attitude to him that I just don't really care. But if I'm not yearning for him, there is something wrong. And I need to put it right. So how can I put it right? Well, one of the remedies, one of the ways of putting it right um, we find recommended to us is what are called spiritual communion. 
to make an act spiritually inviting the Lord into me. That even as I sit here now to invite the Lord to come into my heart. That if I am spiritually inviting him on many occasions, then I will be habitually calling for him. So that when he's ready in Holy Communion before me, I have this habitual yearning that's just ready to meet up, correspond with that. So in in a spiritual communion, what I do is I welcome him into my body, into my heart and my soul. So when I'm away from Mass, in some far distant place somewhere, at work or out in a park, um, wherever I am, away from Mass, away from church, well, I can still invite him spiritually to come to me, to make a spiritual communion. When I'm not worthy to receive him, when there's some sin on my heart and I need to get confession first, I can still spiritually invite him. When I'm away from Mass, but looking ahead to the next Mass, looking, you know, most likelihood in your cases to the next Sunday, um, I can be already thinking ahead. I'm preparing to receive him on Sunday. I am yearning to receive him on Sunday. And thinking of that, I spiritually welcome him into my heart now. And that we can make a prayer like this, a spiritual communion, many times during the day. It helps um, to have a particular moment when we habitually do that. To have a, a moment in the day when, if you have different prayers you say at different times, to have one of those moments that you explicitly dedicate to making a spiritual communion at that moment. So that you have a, a habit each day during the week, from one Sunday Mass to the next Sunday Mass, um, to be making a habit of calling the Lord into your heart. Around here, we don't have many Catholic churches. You know, we're not in a Catholic country, um, but um, one of the practices of making a spiritual communion is to do this, especially when we pass a church. Um, So if you drive past the church um, to make a sign of the cross in honour of our Lord in the tabernacle that you're passing, but in doing that, welcome him into your heart. So when I'm driving past Wimborne, when I'm driving past Ringwood, um, and I know there are tabernacles there with the Lord present, um, to make a spiritual communion whenever we find ourselves passing the Lord. If you're passing the church on your way to Liddles or wherever, um, to... As you pass the church, the Lord is there. Welcome him and make a spiritual communion. And then when you do come to Mass, to make spiritual communions even during the Mass, even during your time in church, so that as you enter the church and you see the tabernacle, at that moment to welcome him into your heart, 
as you're coming up in procession to Holy Communion, to be making a spiritual communion even before you've got to the front so that you are in the zone, so to speak. You may have already heard this particular prayer. So a spiritual communion, we invite Jesus into our hearts spiritually. Um, but there are many prayers. If you do the Google, um, you'll find many prayers of how to make a spiritual communion. But there's one I use all the time uh, that St. Jose Maria was taught as a child. Um, I've never found anywhere where he got it from. But it, it says this. I wish, Lord, to receive you with a purity, humility and devotion with which your most holy mother received you, with a spirit and fervour of the saints. So with the purity, that prayer said. So if I'm going to receive him, I need to receive him pure, if there are not going to be obstacles to him coming. So the image of Our Lady, who is all pure, I asked that I might receive him, receive him as she received him, all pure. Um, with humility. If I'm all puffed up in pride, there's no room for Jesus to come in. Um, and with devotion, with the devotion that the Holy Mother received him. That my Holy Communion, that it won't just be an act of routine, because I always do, because, but actually it will mean something. Um, in the same way that greeting somebody can be just an act of routine that actually means nothing, or it can actually be a real engagement with somebody. Okay, so spiritual communions as a way of getting ourselves into a habit of being ready to receive him when he comes. But more specifically, I want to say a word about preparing ourselves for Holy Communion. Because why are we not all here saints? Um, Jesus comes to us in Holy Communion. Everything comes to us in Holy Communion. We have everything we need to be saints. Why are we not saints? It's not his fault. It's no lack on his part. It's on our part that we haven't corresponded with the graces that are available. So what we need to do to not have that be the case is come to him, come to Holy Communion with a preparation that we don't currently bring. You know, when they have products for sale and that something isn't working with them, they distinguish between um, product failure and user failure. When the, when the user is failing to use the product properly, um, then they don't get it to work properly. But there's nothing wrong with the product, it's the user that's not using it right. Well, that's what's the case with Holy Communion. There's nothing wrong with the product, it's God himself. It's the user something wrong with me um, and this is because um, as the church puts it that the, the fruits of the Eucharist depend on the recipient
I want to quote a couple of quotes from St. Josemaria again, actually, on this. He puts it this way. He says, if you knew that there was only going to be one moment in your life you were going to receive communion, you'd do it differently. If Holy Communion, instead of being a routine, regular thing, was something you did once in your life, imagine how much you'd prepare for it. And yet it's that same incredible reality always available. We are going to receive our Lord. On this earth, when we receive an important person, we bring out the best. Lights, music, formal dress. Have you ever thought how you would prepare yourself to receive our Lord if you could go to communion only once in your life? We must be thankful to God that he makes it so easy for us to come to him. But we should show our gratitude by preparing ourselves to receive him very well. And he notes how... um, you know, in most of the history of the church, it was much rarer to receive Holy Communion than it is today. Um, and the church has encouraged us to receive frequent communion, but there's been with that um, in many places, in many parishes, in our parish, um, usually just a way that's decayed into a routine that doesn't have the preparation with it. So he says, when I was a child, frequent communion was still not a widespread practice. I remember how people used to prepare to go to communion. Everything had to be just right, body and soul, the best clothes, hair well combed. Even physical cleanliness was important, maybe even a few drops of cologne. These were manifestations of love, full of finesse and refinement, and the part of manly souls who knew how to repay love with love. So he's saying physical attentiveness. I'm doing something special. It should look special. Um, My outward demeanour, if I'm doing something special, should look special. So a couple baseline issues that that means. Um, The Eucharistic fast. So the law of the church says, you know, it's comparison to even 50 years ago it's easier now than it was it's only one hour we're required to fast before Holy communion um, but we need at least to be doing that one hour in which I'm not eating as a way of focusing myself on who's coming frequent confession so when Pius the 10th um, what, 120 years or so ago when he was encouraging people to make frequent communion, he was also encouraging frequent confession. Um, And we've got this weird situation now whereby people are frequently going to communion every Sunday, but practically never going to confession. There's a complete lack of correspondence there of the means to prepare and what it is we're preparing for or, or not preparing for. That these things should go together and some of that reform of the church has kind of collapsed 
Um, and so we're not getting the benefits from it because we're not ready. And in particular, um, we need confession if there's mortal sin on our souls. A person who is conscious of mortal sin should not receive the body of the Lord without having recourse first to sacramental confession. I'm quoting St. Paul, Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. That is why so many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, we should not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are chastened so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So mortal sins can include anger, can include hatred of those who have crossed us, can include a refusal to forgive, can include not just adultery of the body, but adultery of the heart. Masturbation, pride, gossip, and that judgment of pride, whereby we look down on others. That to get myself ready for communion, I, I need to be making use of confession. And the desire for this, or rather the goal of this, is frequent communion. So frequent communion is recommended to us by the saints, recommended by the Church's Magisterium. Um, because of the benefits Holy Communion gives us. The Holy Communion, just to quote a few things from the Catechism that are spelt out. What does Holy Communion do for me? It augments my union with Christ. It's food for our spiritual life and food for my soul that needs feeding just like my body does. It separates us from sin, both by wiping away venial sin, but by also preparing me, strengthening me against future sin. And because it's an ecclesial, a communal, a church act, it makes me part of the church, part of part of his body so that the church the, the Eucharist makes the church so I've talked about preparation before communion well if it's going to do something for us also we need to do something after we receive um, so what's called a thanksgiving for holy communion So one of the sadness in many places is that as soon as Mass is over, the, the building erupts in noise and conversation and there's no moment of prayer. If you've received God, there should be a moment of prayer. Um, to not immediately leap to something else. Um, so St. Teresa of Avila particular says about how this is a really privileged moment to ask God for things. So when is the best time for you to be praying for your families? 
When is the best time for you to be asking God for something? When he's closest to you, when he's just come into your heart, your soul. At that moment, she says, this is it, the privileged moment to tell him what you need, tell him what you're asking. According to the, the standard opinion, our Lord remains in us 15 minutes. Um, so after 15 minutes, the sacred species, what would have been bread, ceases to be bread in the digestive system. Um, that Holy Communion has ceased to be Holy Communion within 15 minutes of, of consuming our Lord. But there is that moment in which he remains there. We'll talk to him then. Okay, final point. Um, visits to the Blessed Sacrament. To put it this way, friends are people we go to visit. Friends are people we go to spend time with. Um, well, Jesus is our best friend and he's, he's right here. How often do we visit him? So this phrase, visits to the Blessed Sacrament, is part of the standard pious terminology. Um, and it often looks to the phrase um, in Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 25, I was in prison and you visited me. That Jesus has chosen to, in a sense, imprison himself. That he is here waiting for us to come to him. Um, so some church, some tabernacles are designed to signify this. There's, um, I remember when I was a seminarian in Birmingham, one of the local churches there, um, and as a seminarian, we got close to the tabernacle. But when you pulled back the veil, there was this image of the bars of a prison and the face of Jesus looking out, um, that he's there for us to visit him. Um, so that's kind of a, a pictorial image. Um, so a final quote from St. Rosemaria. I like to call the tabernacle a prison, a prison of love. For 20 centuries, he has been waiting there, willingly locked up for me, for everyone. So in as much as we're able to fit into your week, into your day, to come to Jesus, to, to visit him here. Friends visit their friends. So to sum that all up, why is it important? It's important uh, because it changes us into him, into God. He really is present. This is what he says in the scriptures. This is what his church is consistently taught. We therefore need to foster in ourselves a yearning for him to come. Um, Making spiritual communions, inviting him in spiritually, is a way of habitually getting ourselves to have this devotion. And we therefore need to prepare ourselves for Holy Communion as we're looking ahead, um, and the practice of making visits to the Blessed Sacrament as a way of doing that.